The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Well, good morning. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. How many of you happen to eat a little too much? Anybody here? Yeah, okay. So do you need a second chance on your diet? You know, today we're worshiping God because he is a God of a second chance. And uh, I think in all of life, uh, we know people, you and I, need second chances. Uh, how many students do you know that need a second chance? I tell you what, after the first time through sixth grade, I needed a second chance, and I got to do it all over again. Uh, we need second chances in school. We need, need second chances if we're in an athletic event. We need second chances when it comes to dealing with our spouses. We need second chances when we're dealing with our kids and thirds and fourths and fifth chances as well. You know, kids need them with parents. Parents need them with kids. Um, have any of you ever owned a puppy? You need a second chance there, that's for sure. Does God give people second chances? And, but, but what if the person is intentionally doing something wrong? What about that? Will God give a second chance to somebody who intentionally is doing something wrong? And actually, most importantly, is second chance second class? Well, that's the third chapter of Jonah. And in the first chapter, we looked at Jonah's commission. We've looked at his disobedience. We looked at God's discipline. Uh, last week, we looked at his uh, repentance and his praise in chapter 2. And in chapter 3, we get to see the grace of God. We see it on display. We saw it in, on display, or we'll see it in, on display with Jonah's commission. Uh, again, the whole subject of the book of Jonah is the grace of God. And throughout the book of Jonah, you'll see a couple of different commissions. You see it in chapter 1. Uh, there's the first commission of Jonah, and we're going to see it again in chapters 3 and 4. So you really could divide the whole book of Jonah up into two major categories. Chapters 1 and 2, Jonah's first commission, and chapters 3 and 4, Jonah's second commission, or his recommission. And so God graciously called Jonah to preach to the city of Nineveh. You know, everything really is by grace. When you look at the Bible, you're saved by grace, without a doubt. You live by grace. You serve by grace. If you read Romans chapter 12, you find out we're given gifts according to the grace that's given to us. We give by grace. We forgive by grace. And when Jonah received that commission to preach the good news to the people in Nineveh the first time in Jonah 1.1, that was an act of grace. And so all of us are called by grace uh, to serve him, uh, to trust him. And uh, the, the weird thing about Jonah, I mean, here he is. Jonah is a, a very professional, mature, successful prophet. So the question is, can somebody that who knows so much Scripture, we saw that last week, I mean, in just a few verses in his repentance, he quotes from six different Psalms. So this guy knows his stuff. Is it possible for somebody like that to go haywire? Is it possible for somebody like that to totally, 100% disobey God? And the answer is yes. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is the head of the church of Jerusalem, said this in the book of James, for most of us stumble, no, 
all of us stumble in all kinds, various color kinds of ways. Everybody stumbles in many ways. And so we all either stumble or fall into doing what is wrong or fall, missing the mark, fall, let's just use the word. We all stumble or fall into sin. Now, I know what you're picturing in your mind. It's what I picture in my mind when I read a verse like this. When I fall in the sin, stumble in the sin, or in the Old Testament, backslide into sin. What you picture is like you're going up a mountain. And maybe you're up the Grand Canyon or something, or up a mountain, or up a mountain trail. And you're, you're trying to stay close to the trail. You're hugging the rocks because you, you, don't, you, you don't want your foot to slip. Because what could happen is your, your foot would slip and, oh no, I'm backsliding. I'm stumbling off the side of the cliff. That's what we picture in our minds about sin. Like I might stumble or slip or backslide into sin. That's not Jonah. Jonah deliberately, willfully, purposefully, intentionally, volitionally, ran to sin. And if we're honest with ourselves, maybe occasionally we might, oh, I'm, I'm falling, help me, help me, I'm stumbling into sin. Most of the times, we dive toward it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Doug talked about some of the struggles guys have with pornography. And it's, I'll just say it's probably rare for a guy, oh no, I'm stumbling into the wrong page and I'm just happening to look at something that's causing me to falter. No, you're intentionally, purposefully, willfully, volitionally turning to it, looking for it, diving into it. You're just like Jonah. And if we're honest, that's probably the modus operandi of most of us. We run, that's why David prayed. If you haven't memorized this verse, please memorize Psalm 1913. Because this is what David talks about. And this is what I love about David. He is so honest with sin. I mean, he's done some, you know, some, some bangers, I'll tell you. Uh, didn't mean it that way. But he's done some big ones. He's really done some big ones. Uh, well, sorry. Um, <laughs> Psalm 19, let me just, Psalm 19, 13. Keep back your servant also from, it's the Hebrew word zid, from presumptuous, arrogant, prideful, insolent, purposeful, willingly, deliberate sins. Now, why would he ask God, God, you've got to keep me from jumping toward it these things that have, and now he says, that have dominion over me. These are the things that will dominate my life. He says, so, so God, keep back your servant from these kinds of willful sins. Don't let them dominate my life because that's what they do. They will dominate your life. How can you give God glory if these things are dominating your life? Then I should be blameless and innocent of great transgression. So the, the, all, the point is this. We all run from God 
deliberately in all, all different kinds of areas. I'll let you, you know whatever area you struggle with. Um, and then the aftershocks of running toward it are far greater, impact far more lives than just your life. We saw that last week as well. And then and I'll tell you what happens is then you get to the point where you go, you know what? I've really blown it. God can't use me anymore. I, I have so blown it. I, I'm just a failure. Just put me on the shelf. Well, that's what Jonah is all about. I, I was so taken aback by uh, two weeks ago, I saw ESPN. I didn't watch the whole game. I just saw it on ESPN, a little clip, and I got that clip. I forwarded the clip to Don. This was, this was when Pittsburgh played Clemson. Clemson was ranked number two, and uh, Clemson was play, playing them, and it was so close. And Pittsburgh, they were just within a, a point. And so the field goal kicker goes out, misses the field goal. You know, he's dejected. It comes up to an extra point, the extra point would do it. He kicks the extra point, misses it again. So he goes back to the, to the coach of Clemson, Pat Narduzzi. And, well, let, I've got the clip. Watch the clip. Let me show you what he does. saying, probably saying, listen, I'm going to need you later. If we're going to do this, I'm going to need you to get your head in the game, trust your leg and your swing, and let it rip. The ball is down. The kick is on its way. That kick long enough. That kick high enough. And yes! the kick is yes! good. Yes! It's good. Yes! 43-42. Panthers have the lead with six seconds to go in Death Valley. You know what? He did a heck of a job. You know, after he had a couple of flubs, I went over and gave him a kiss early in the game. And, and I, you know, I said, hey, wipe, that, wipe it off when he hit the guys in the back. And we just kind of stayed positive with him. You know, Chris Booth's been a money guy on field goals in the past, and he made a major game winner. I mean, it's just the same thing in any position. If anybody's struggling, Coach knows he believes in us because he puts us out there on the field. I just know that he still had faith in me that I could do it because we do it all the, every week. We're in practice and just have to thank God that he gave me another opportunity. The greatest lesson on leadership I've ever seen right there. Somebody who works so hard, they flub it, they flub it. They come up to you, the leader, feeling bad. And what does the leader do? What does the coach do? He kisses him twice. He says, that's okay. We're going to need you at the end of the game. Most leaders get all over their case. Most leaders scold. Most leaders punish. But this coach kisses. That's exactly what Jesus does for us. We blow it, we blow it, we blow it, we go to Jesus, our heads are down, we feel bad, and God kisses us and sends us back into the game. Folks, that is the message of Jonah chapter 3, and I could close in prayer right now, but I'm paid to preach an entire message, so I'm just going to keep on going. So... <laughs> Well, let me show you how great this is. Let me show you how great this is. And what makes it even better 
is that, you know, poor Chris uh, blew it, who blew it. Oh, that's sort of, that's what he did. He blew it the first two times, first two kicks. But he was trying to make it. But God gives us a kiss even when we, like Jonah, run for sin, presumptuous sin, willful sin, and arrogant sin, prideful sin, intentional sin, volitional sin. He still gives us a big hug and puts us back in the game. That's what happens with Jonah. Uh, notice how his grace is displayed in the recommission. Uh, Jonah chapter 3, 1 and 2, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it with the message that I tell you. Uh, again, uh, there's the commission, but there's also the recommission. Arise, go, call out. Then in chapter 3, same thing. Arise, go, call out. Again, uh, when, when Jonah ran, there was absolutely the discipline of the Lord. Uh, he wanted to teach him in his discipline that he is just. He wanted to spare him to teach him all about his mercy. And then he wanted to recommission him to teach him about his grace. See, the lesson is we worship and serve the God of a second chance. The God who graciously spares you is the God who graciously kisses you and wants to send you into the game again. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So let me just tell you, if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you feel like, hey, listen, there's no way I can be a Christian. I have run so far away. I, the, the stuff I have done wrong, the stuff that, I, that I've thought, the stuff that I've done, uh, there's no way God could love me. Oh, yes, he can. He absolutely can. There is, there is hope. The storms in your life are used, can be used by God in your life to help you begin to evaluate. You know, why am I living the way I'm, I'm living? Why am I putting my hope in such things? Our God is a very holy God. He's a righteous God. He will judge us to be sure because he's a just God. But he is the God of a second chance. So if you're here even this morning as a believer in Christ and feeling like, well, I've blown it. I've blown it with relationships. I've blown it with opportunities. I've blown it with stewardship. I've blown it with responsibility. I've blown it with calling. You know, you too are in desperate need for a second chance. You need to know that this is the God who gave hope to Adam after the fall. I mean, you think about that. Whatever you have done, if you're thinking God can't use me anymore, whatever you've done, it's not near as great as plunging the entire race into eternal misery. That's what Adam did. I mean, you just, you look at Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 4, you've got his kids killing each other. And then the next chapter, over and over and over, and he died 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 and he died. That's the most repeated phrase in Genesis. And he died and he died and he died all because of Adam. If, Adam. if Adam can be given a second chance, do you think you can? Of course you can. This is the God who forgave King David. Psalm 19.13 that I told you about. You can read about his wonderful, flawless life. Or Mary Magdalene. He is the one who died for every 
thing you have ever done or will ever do. Listen, this, this, Jesus is the second Jonah. Jesus is the second Adam. God loves you so much and is so committed to giving you a second chance. Everything you have done that warrants the justice of God, Jesus takes that on the cross because God dumps it on Jesus. God is a just God. I mean, Jonah deserved to go into the water, deserved to go into the whale. But that's the picture of Christ. It's the picture of the gospel. What you have done and is entirely wrong, presumptuous sins, God now takes that and puts all of that on Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. And Jesus bears that for you. Now, the beautiful thing about that is that all what qualified Jesus to take all that on his own shoulders was his perfect righteousness. Now, get this. This will blow your mind. So here you are, presumptuously sinning. God takes all of that, if you're willing to trust in this provision, and he puts it on Jesus. Jesus dies on your clay, in your place on the cross. Now, what qualifies him to be the Savior, he takes all of that righteousness now and imputes or credits your account with his righteousness. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what can blow your mind. And so you have the wrath of God, which caused him to dump it on Jesus. And this is a word that's used in the Bible. It's His wrath is now propitiated. He's been just. His wrath is satisfied because he's done that on Jesus. And now your account has been credited with all the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why he's a God of a second chance. So don't if you're a believer, let me tell you, if you've messed up, if you've gone afoul, if you've gone astray, if you've been engaged in presumptuous, willful sin, don't resign and sit there in the pew. Resign with the God of all grace. God graciously grants sinful, repentant sinners and servants another chance to serve. Look at the extending of his grace. He sends Jonah to the city of Nineveh. The word of the Lord came to Jonah that second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it with this message that I'm going to give you. Jonah arises. He goes to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breath. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So this passage tells that he, God loves. God loves the world. God loves Nineveh. He wants Jonah to go. He wants Jonah to be mission-minded and mercy-minded. He said, I want you to go to that city and I want you to cry out this message because I love these people. And it was a message of judgment. The message of judgment was, Nineveh, look, Ninevites, you're going to be overthrown. But it's also a message of grace. You've got 40 days to process all of this. Peter tells us why there's a delay. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slow, slowness, but is patient toward you. Why? Well, what's the heart of God? Is, is his heart, well, I'm just a mean God, vindictive God. I just want to judge people. No, not wishing any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We know that from John 3.16. For God so loved 
the entire cosmos that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Then it specifically says God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. He doesn't wish that any perish. He has to still be God. He still has to be just. But in order that the world might be saved through him. So God so loved that he gave and he wants to save. And we then are justified, Romans tells us, as a free gift. We're justified as a free gift. We've been given something we absolutely don't deserve. Whenever I think personally in our family of gifts that are given that are beyond comprehension, beyond understanding, I think just in our family lore. So we can, in our family, we can go back nine generations. So if I, I'm the seventh generation, if I go back to the last one that, were, that is recorded, James Gilmore and Elizabeth in the 1700s, he fought in the Revolutionary War. Before that, it goes back to Scotland, Ulster, Ireland, and then a boat to South Carolina where, where they landed. We, we don't know where his gravesite is. We know where all the others are. So we went by, we found all the tombstones of all of them, but my great-great-great-grandfather, William, so it's James, James, William, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather William. We can't find his tombstone, but we know exactly why. It's because my grandfather, my grandfather, great-grandfather fought in the Civil War, great-grandfather was in the Depression. And so my dad, their decision was all of our kids, and almost all of them had seven kids except for William, the one we can't find the gravestone. They had 15 kids. But almost all the others had seven. Um, in the Depression, their commitment was, even they were, they, were just, they were just cotton farmers in Alabama. I mean, I've got a picture of the house. It was, it was a shack, okay? And they've got seven kids in the family. Their commitment was that all of them were going to go to college. Every single one was going to go to college. Matter of fact, my grandfather uh, bought a refrigerator for my grandma. Dad remembers the delivery truck bringing the refrigerator up to the porch to bring the refrigerator in. They just had the, the um, ice. And my grandma sat there at the front door and said, you take that back? And he, she said, Jeffy, he was, his, they called him Jeffy, my grandfather, and he said, Jeffy, I, you are not going to bring a refrigerator into this house until all of our kids have gone through college. So my dad now, the oldest surviving, is at the University of Alabama, and he was going through law school. I mean, they had nothing. They had, they had nothing. So my dad got into law school at Alabama, went to undergraduate school at Alabama, law school at Alabama, but was living in the observatory. Uh, in a, a, there was a little apartment for a janitor in the observatory at, at the university. And so he went to school during the day, studied at night, and then through the night he worked as a janitor to save up enough money for tuition for the next semester. And so during the Depression, my grandfather, the reason we can't find my great-great-grandfather's tombstone is my, grand, my grandfather took a cart and his mule, had one mule and a cart, and he took all the, the family gravestones and all the gravestones from the area that was on their property, he loaded the cart up with all the gravestones and took them to the Tom Bigby River and dumped them all in the river because he had to plow. 
It was either we preserve the graveyard or we plant crops and survive. So they took all the gravestones up. There was only one they couldn't move. It was too big. It's the person who founded Coffeyville, Alabama. And uh, so he plowed. And then all of a sudden, my dad's in Alabama now at the university, and he gets a letter from his mother that, that my granddad's mule died. Let me tell you, you have the only source for income dying. And so my dad took the money he had saved, he went to the bank, and he got a $100 bill, put it in an envelope as all his, the money that he had saved during the janitorial work to pay for his next year of college, and uh, sent that to his dad so he could buy a new mule. And I think, wow, talk about grace. Talk about giving beyond the expectancy of anything you deserve or would even think about. And I think of that as the greatest example I can think in, in our family of somebody just going above and beyond being generous. It was interesting, when my dad graduated from law school, then his younger brother was going through Alabama Medical School, and my dad actually helped pay for his brother to get through medical school as well. But you think, well, I understand being generous like that because you know, it's your family. It's somebody you love. God did this for people who deliberately run the other direction, who deliberately go their own path, do their own thing. That's how much God loves us. Now that is grace. And he spares the city of Nineveh. You can read it in verses 5 to 10. People of Nineveh believe God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth and, you know, and you can read it, and, and they put on sackcloth, they have, a, they have a fast, everybody turns from their evil way, um, they listen to the, to, the, to the message of the prophet, and um, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And you think, how, how did that happen? I mean, this entire city, and this was an exceedingly great city. Some half a million people, five, they speculate 500 to 600,000 people. is 1,850 acres. They had 50-mile aqueducts. They had two miles of reliefs. This was, this was the, the capital of the Gentile world. This is a massive city. And Jonah walks through 40 days preaching. And the entire city repents. How do you explain it? Well, Jesus tells exactly what happened in Matthew chapter 12. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment. And this is the future. This is what's going to happen with this generation. And they'll condemn it. For they, the people, the, these people from Nineveh, repented at or because of the preaching of Jonah. And behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, you guys are listening to the Lamb of God. You're listening to the Son of God. You're listening to the, to the way, the truth, and the life, and you're not doing anything. I mean, you're throwing stones. You're going to later hear from those that were in Nineveh, and they're going to say, look, we repented at the voice of of the smelly 
seaweed-covered prophet. And we knew enough that that was the word, and we turned to believe God. And you have Jesus himself, the second Jonah, the second Adam, and you're not listening to him? Are you kidding me? That's what Je that's sort of a rough paraphrase of what he's saying. <laughs> uh, turn, you know, to turn to this living God. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Now, let me tell you, this is the highest compliment you can ever give to any preacher. The highest compliment you could ever give to a preacher is not, boy, you're really entertaining. And man, you can tell good stories. Or boy, you have a way with words. Or, or wow, uh, you keep us awake. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know why this just hit me, but Carnegie, you know, when when Carnegie decided that riches were in, impacting his heart, he began to give everything away. He gave away uh, almost, I think it's almost 3,000, almost 2,000 libraries, and he gave away 7,000 organs to churches. Can you imagine that? And, and the reason he said, he said, uh, I'm giving these organs to churches so that people can tolerate the sermons. So, <laughs> But I think the highest compliment you could ever give a preacher is that people believe God. Not that their grammar is always perfect, not that they're entertaining, not that they can keep you awake. It's that people believe God. And that's exactly what happened to Nineveh. So the passage reveals the heart of God. God in his grace sends his sinful servant to serve and God in his grace spares a very savage city called Nineveh. So many would argue this. Many would say, who are more work-based, a work-based person would say, hey, uh, God shouldn't have saved the Ninevites. The Ninevites were horrible, wicked people who did atrocities you can barely write about. They deserve to die. And, and other people would say, why in the world would God send willfully disobedient Jonah? He didn't deserve to serve. Well, but God did save the Ninevites and he did send Jonah. Not because Jonah was a great prophet nor because the Ninevites were deserving people, but purely because he is a gracious God. Period. So a number of lessons here. God in his grace still uses sinful servants. And let, let me assure you, God wants to use you. And yes, you are a sinful servant. And God wants to use you. You know, at the very beginning, I said something shocking. And that was God gave me a second chance. You know, first time through first grade wasn't all that great. Second time through sixth grade was not so bad. Uh, Mrs. Mander was my teacher in sixth grade. And I absolutely drove her nuts. You know, I, I was convinced I was the best class clown in the entire class. And of course, she would never convince my mother. My mother thought I was perfect. And I had her buffaloed. And uh, I remember bringing home an F in conduct. 
And so she took my report card and she grabbed me by the wrist and we went across the street down two houses to my sixth grade teacher's house, Mrs. Mander. And she had me and she was so mad at Mrs. Mander that how in the world could she give her precious little Jeffrey an F in conduct? So she drug me down to Mrs. Mander's house. I can still picture her knocking on the door, us going in, and she said, well, well, I can't remember her first name, Mrs. Mander, how could you possibly have given my son Jeffrey enough in conduct? I'll, I'll never forget her answer. She said, well, Mrs. Gilmore, it's because there was nothing lower that I could give him. <laughs> I am so God, glad that he is a God of a second chance. So I had my second chance to go through sixth grade. And I'll tell you what, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was the best thing that ever happened. Parents, don't protect your children from consequences. I thank God that Jonah took the deep six, gets swallowed by a whale. And I thank God for the tough stuff you go through as well. Because a lot of that tough stuff will cause you to ask some very serious questions. And it will remind you that you worship a God of a second chance. See, God in His grace uses sinful servants who are humbled enough to repent and carry out His work. And God in His grace will save sinful people. That was my case. And let me assure you, that is your case. He does not save us because we're good enough. He doesn't save us because we're righteous. He saves us because He is gracious. He won't deliver us because there's something good in us. He only saves us because there is everything good in Himself. And that's what captures the very heart of God. He's gracious. And He wants to save people like you and me. So let me urge you, if you have never turned to Jesus, you have nowhere else to to turn. You have nowhere else to look. Please don't think that you possibly can be good enough if you try hard enough, because you'll never do it. There's none righteous. No, not even one. Well, that's the book of Jonah. Let's all stand. We'll close in prayer. And then we'll sing a song. God, thank you. Thank you for this book. Um, and Lord, we, we can identify with Jonah in so many ways, and it, it makes us cry out the prayer of David in Psalm 19. Oh God, keep back your servant also from these presumptuous, arrogant, insolent, prideful, willful, deliberate sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. So Lord, I pray, I pray for all of us here that we would embrace this God who loves us so much, this God who would pour everything 
your wrath upon what we deserve, but you would pour it not upon ourselves, but you would pour it instead on your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross at Calvary. And in the place of giving up all that wrath, we get dumped on us, the righteousness of Jesus, as a, as a free gift for those who had, who had accepted, for those who had put our faith and trust in you. And I just pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that has never put their faith, their trust in Jesus, your provision of grace, oh God, may they do that. May they do it now. May they do it today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this picture of Jonah that gives us the ultimate fulfillment of what you've done in Christ. So if you're here and have never taken that step, please talk to somebody. Please talk to somebody today before you leave. And Lord, as believers, um, we, <laughs> we need a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a hundredth chance all the time. But you delight. You delight so much. You just, when we come to you with our heads down, you give us a kiss. And you kiss us again and kiss us again and say, that's okay. Get back in the game. Don't resign. Be the son. Get back in the game. It's all my grace. It's all we can. So we thank you for this beautiful book. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.